and welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for joining us on one of the 47 radio stations, or maybe you're listening on iTunes or the show website, or maybe you're seeing our video on YouTube. Thanks for being with us. We have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to talk about crowdfunding in commercial real estate. I think crowdfunding is a lot bigger than a lot of the principals out there that own real estate really realize. Also, uh, retail investors, everyday investors, are able to go online with so small amounts of money, sometimes as small as $5,000 or $1,000, and invest in large commercial real estate, some buildings maybe uh, that you're aware of in your market area. So please welcome my first guest. We're gonna talk to Ben Miller, his CEO of Fundrise, and he's joining us on Skype. Ben, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate it, Ben. And if you will, uh, give us kind of an update on where commercial real estate crowdfunding is. How prevalent is it? It seems like a lot of people I talk to uh, that are sponsors, that are raising money, like, Crowdfunding, uh, I'm not really sure about it yet. Yeah, I mean, think about how new the space is. You know, the first crowdfunding deal was in uh, late 2012. It was something we did. It was a, it was a completely novel in 2012, 2013. I remember when I was talking to real estate developers, I would, t- I would tell them about having thousands of investors through the internet. People would tell me I'm crazy. <laughs> and then in 2014, people started telling me that was interesting. And in 2015, people started telling me it was obvious. <laughs> okay. And it was, and so, uh, in you know, probably 2012, maybe there was like $300,000 raised for crowdfunding. In 2015, easily a billion to two billion dollars. That's interesting. So you went from crazy to obviously you, we need you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. To being like, who are you? Right. <laughs> right. And it all started right with the uh, Jobs Act that uh, allows sponsors to to advertise openly for investors. So so tell us a little bit about that and some of the recent Title Three regulations. Yeah, I mean it's interesting that uh, in response to the to the uh, recession, you know. Congress and, and the president did something unusual, which was to agree on something. <laughs> and they, they agreed that they needed to change the regulations around, around fundraising, and they, and they passed those, those under a, something called the Jobs Act, which changed how you can raise money, and in particular, basically let the internet become a tool for fundraising. I mean, before that period, it really wasn't practical to use the internet to raise money. Tickets for airplanes on the internet, you, you, know, you buy your clothes on the internet, you, know, you bank on the internet, why wouldn't you uh, invest in fundraising internet? I mean, it's just a, it's it's obviously going to happen, and the regulations. Uh, there are a lot of technical aspects to it, but fundamentally, what you do is 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 advertise or generally solicit, and and it starts to allow anybody, not just uh, uh, you know institutional or high net worth investors, to have access to this uh, new class of investment, which is like an online real estate investment class. Right, so it used to be really illegal, right, for a sponsor that was doing a, a development or buying a piece of property to go out and just advertise for these you know, private equity investors. They had to do someone they knew, right, someone at the country club? Right, right. I mean, so the technical language is you had to have a pre-existing material relationship with somebody. And so uh, you couldn't go to somebody you didn't know and ask them to invest in your, your deal. You, you, had to have a, uh, you had to know that they were high net worth. And um, in, anybody who's sort of my age or older will remember that you, there was no such thing as pharmaceutical advertisements. You couldn't advertise 
uh, pharma, pharma drugs. Mm -hmm. in, and then in the mid-90s, they changed that. And you could start to have, uh, you know, Viagra could, could advertise their, their wares. And, you know, Bob Dole was the first person, probably the most notable person to be part of that change. And now every other commercial is for, you know, uh, some kind of drug. And so that's, that's the shift happening. You know, before 2012, 2013, you couldn't advertise for uh, an investment. And, and now you can. And that shift, probably five years from now, you know, you'll see hedge funds and, and uh, uh, real estate and tech companies all on the Internet, you know, advertising and, and um, talking about their investments. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think a lot of people are interested in commercial real estate uh, as a space to invest. And, you know, if you didn't have, uh, you know, a million dollars uh, and the know-how the know and the connections to invest in commercial real estate, it was almost impossible. And really crowdfunding kind of opens that world up. And so talk to us about the difference between um, an accredited investor and a non-accredited investor and, uh, you know, what sponsors and investors can do there. Yeah, well, so uh, an accredited investor, by definition, someone is high net worth, and you can be high net worth because you have a lot of income, two or three hundred thousand dollars a year, or you can be high net worth because you have, uh, uh, you know, assets of at least a million dollars. So that, so that what the SEC has been saying for years is, if you're high net worth, basically, uh, there's very little regulation, and um, and those those investors are sophisticated and can afford losses, and so they're not going to have a, a, a you know a heavy burden of, of regulations and, and oversight. Uh, the problem with that is the internet. That's just not how the internet works. And so they they they've changed. They started to change that with the Jobs Act. There's Title Three and Title Four, which basically uh, creates mechanisms for anybody to be able to invest into uh, an online investment like real estate. And there are, you know, like everything that the government touches, there are hoops you have to jump through. You know, whether you're talking about zoning, you're talking about securities law, there are you know, permits you have to file. But it's something that, like, something we're familiar with, and, and it's something that you can get your arms around once you understand what it takes. And what that will do is, uh, I, I think, is going to create essentially like a new, I mean, almost like a new asset class, where if you look at, um, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, nobody invested in mutual funds. 10 years ago, you know, ETFs were this like rare uh, investment, and now they're they're common. You know, online investment into real estate or a few other sort of core asset classes. You you have lower fees, lower cost of doing business, more efficiency, and so it's going to become a uh, a given that you know 20% of your portfolio will be uh, real estate. Yeah, and you should have a certain percentage of your your portfolio in real estate, and I, and I like that number of 20%. And if you are a non-accredited investor, so uh, you're not worth a million dollars and your income is such that you're non-accredited, um, then getting money from those investors, I understand, is limited to a, a million dollars, right? But if you're dealing with accredited investors, is there no limit? So could you go out and raise you know, $50 million from non-accredited, I mean, from accredited investors? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's any, any real estate company who's ever raised money under a private placement, the rules are the same. I mean, there's, you, you can raise money from high net worth investors, institutional investors, and, and the only thing you really need to do, other than you know, be a good actor, is file a Form D. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're using the internet 
is really like, uh, I mean, whether you do it with you know paper or you do it with a computer, that's just a, a mechanism. It doesn't actually change the regulations. And, and so um, once you think of it as just being like a tool, you, you know that the internet's a better tool than, than you know, traditional old-fashioned way of doing business. You know the internet's going to eventually displace you know, the, the travel agent, displace, you know, eventually everything will be signed electronically. You know, banks won't be bugging you for like original wet signatures because that's just uh, silly. I mean, it's just the cloud you know, is, is a better way to store your information than file cabinets. And as the internet gets that fundraising for real estate, it will become the dominant way people invest in, and, and fund a real estate deal. Right. And we're short on the break, but are these new Title III regulations that are coming out, which I think going in effect in uh, January, is that going to change and open it up even more? Yeah. I mean, I think you'll see the Title III and Title IV in the JOBS Act really open the space up really make it something that's like uh, what the internet's good at, virality, so it can be viral, it'll, the information will become more transparent, and you'll see a new kind of real estate developer that embraces this type of technology become the dominant player. I mean, if you were an early adopter of the REIT, or an early adopter of private equity, you became a dominant player in your region or in your product class, the same thing will happen with this uh, new form of fundraising. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be huge and a lot larger than a lot of people think. And, and we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Ben about some of the projects they've been involved in so you can get some ideas of how these, these projects are working. We're also going to um, get some tips and strategies for if you're a sponsor of how to go about doing a sponsor, uh, doing crowdfunding. And also, if you're a private investor, like we said before, you can invest online with small amounts of money, so you want to know some best practices to do it. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about crowdfunding and commercial real estate. My guest is Ben Miller, he's CEO of Fundrise. And Ben, if, as this crowdfunding continues to grow, and I think it's going to be uh, explosive in, in its growth uh, when uh, retail investors, everyday uh, investors can invest small amounts of money online in major projects, how big do you think this investor pool could be? Uh, I always compare real estate crowdfunding to private equity or um, commercial mortgage-backed securities. You know, those industries started in the in the early '90s, and now each of those industries are about half a trillion to a trillion dollars in total ass total assets, or, or total dollars, uh, uh, you know, essentially managed. And um, so, I think that real, commercial real estate uh, crowdfunding is going to be about that size over the next, I think it'll take, again, just like those industries, probably 10 to 15 years to get to that scale. Uh, but you're talking about like this becoming one of the major ways real estate gets funded in the United States. Right, and that's gonna be a lot of individual investors uh, around the country, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, here's, here's the question uh, that people will, will, will basically, we need to answer and then we need to prove, which is that 
if it's a lower cost way to raise money and invest in commercial real estate, then over time, it should beat the market. I mean, if you're going to deploy into commercial real estate and you're going to pay you know, no upfront fees and have very, very low amount of uh, cost of doing business because it's digital, you know, will you be less expensive than the two, you know, private equity 2 and 20 or uh, you know, a non-traded REIT that charges you 15% upfront? I mean, if, if commercial real estate um, funded and invested in through the internet is, is a better mousetrap, over time it should outperform you know, traditional ways to invest in real estate. Yeah, I agree with you, especially because of the lower cost, the ease to, to do it. And in a lot of cases, uh, when pe folks are investing in crowdfunding, they're investing in a specific property, right? They can find out more information on that specific asset. Yeah, there's, that's, there's a bunch of different ways people do it. Uh, the, the way it started was people picking deals. So you might say, like, I like uh, you know, this uh, apartment building in Seattle, or I like this uh, office building in, in New York. Uh, and we, we know, we've also done portfolios. So you have portfolio of seven deals, five deals, whatever, how many um, you know, might be in that portfolio so that people can then say, well, I don't want to pick a deal. I just want to have a diversified pool. And here's a pool of uh, 10 deals at you know, whatever, at some yields, 14% current yield. Then people um, might prefer that instead. Right, and let's talk about a couple of the transactions that, that you guys have been involved in. Tell us about the Three World Trade Center. Yeah, well, so we crowdfunded the commercial. Uh, we crowdfunded the World Trade Center uh, about uh, uh, almost a year ago. We, I, I've been in real estate for I don't know how many years now, seventeen years, eighteen years, and during my time as a developer and as an investor. I uh, you know worked for private equity fund. I you know worked for big real estate companies. I got to know some of the folks at Silverstein Property Group. Silverstein is uh, the owner developer of the World Trade Center. And um, when we started this business, those guys uh, were really helpful. Ended up uh, investing in the company and, and getting on my board. And so as part of joining the board of Fundrise, they offered to help us um, get a piece of the World Trade Center and and be able to offer it to the crowd. And so it was a complicated transaction. You know, you're talking about Three World Trade Center was a $2.5 billion building, right? One billion, 2.5 billion. And it's part of a $20 billion, you know, development in lower Manhattan. So the complexity of, of investing into that deal, I mean, it was just extreme. Uh, but arguably it's some of the best real estate in the entire world certainly one of the most important real estate developments in the, in the world and we thought it was important to try to get this uh, get sort of increase access and and for some people they look at you know seeing three world trade center as a crowdfunded investment was like a bell like a, a, a turning point for the whole industry it sort of proved that this industry had arrived and how much of that deal was funded? How much was raised through crowdfunding? We did it at uh, $5 million. Okay. All right. And uh, we are talking with Ben Miller, CEO of Fundrise, and, and we're talking about crowdfunding. And uh, Ben, tell us about your preferred equity product. How does that work? Uh, well, so we have, I mean, there's, there's two different things with crowdfunding, right? There's the fact that it's a new technology, and then there's a the question of, well, how do you want to invest into the industry? So we, um, for various reasons, prefer kind of a debt-like product, so senior debt, mezzanine debt, or preferred equity that's basically like mezzanine debt, 
in that it has a fixed return, it's senior to real equity, and it has a maturity date. And so that's something we find uh, it fills a gap in the market. A lot of real estate companies want to own an asset for the long term. They don't want to have to have a JV equity partner where they lose a lot of control. And so they'll bring us in and maybe you know, we would, let's say they take a $20 million deal and the senior lender might put up $15 million, 75%. We would put in half the equity, $2.5 million from Fundrise, $2.5 million from the developer or a developer and their friends and family. And we would then have like a, 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 a we'd be senior to the equity, but with a, with a fixed return, maybe the fixed return would be 13%. And so it's like a MES investment, but without a lot of the um, uh, uh, burdens. You see with MES a lot of uh, inflexibility. And so it's this hybrid product that we found gives investors high yield returns and gives developers you know, more long-term control of their deal. Yeah, I can see the advantages as the investor uh, being senior t uh, to the developers uh, and owner's equity. Uh, that's a nice position to be in and you have a, a good expected return. And, and like you said, you have a, a maturity date uh, that you expect to get your, your, your funds back. And uh, I guess uh, there's also uh, some benefits for the developer, but they're just, uh, they've got more leverage. And like you said, they have control, total control of the asset and the increased equity uh, as well. So there's benefits for everyone, isn't there? Yeah, we, we found it to be a good fit. I mean, we you know we do a deal a week, so we've closed like almost 100 real estate deal, commercial real estate deals. And so from an asset management point of view, um, it's a lot easier or a lot less burdensome to asset manage you know, debt products than it is asset managed to a true joint venture equity. Yeah. And so we, one of the reasons we chose this product was we found that um, uh, it, it, it let us move uh, faster and do more high quality deals because um, you know, if you're a joint venture equity with a real estate developer, you really have to be um, active as an asset manager. It's hard to do that if you're doing a lot of deals. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we're short on the break here, but tell us what you can about your $50 million shares for uh, uh, online investment trust uh, that was announced uh, by the press. Uh, well, so we're in a quiet period, and so I can't talk about it, um, but I'm uh, I'm happy to talk about it at some point after after we uh, uh, clear. Okay, but what's public right now that's just in the press is that uh, this is going to be a fifty million dollar fund that's going to be invested in multiple property type. That's out in the in the press, right? Because of the because it's public, right? Yeah, there's a filing on Edgar, uh, so there's information available. But I unfortunately I'm stuck. I'm in a quiet period, and. Um, you know, anybody who's, who's uh, seen this type of stuff, the best thing to do is not say anything for the time being. Right. I get it. No, don't go on national radio and start uh, <laughs> violating the rules, right? Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate uh, your insight. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have more guests. We're going to talk more about crowdfunding. You hear how big it's going to be. Learn more about it. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about crowdfunding. Please welcome my next guest. I have Jillian Hellman and Chuck Taylor. They're both with Realty Mogul and they're here in Studio One in Atlanta with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Well, we appreciate it. Well, one thing I'd like you guys to kind of start out with, if you will, is talk to us about the different types of crowdfunding sites and companies because they're not all the same, right? Yeah, I think crowdfunding in a holistic sense is pooling capital together on the internet. And there's a variety of different ways to think about crowdfunding and who is the crowd, right? When we first started our business, the crowd was mainly private investors, individual investors who were interested in real estate transaction. And we've since opened up to institutional investors. And the ability to bring institutional capital in has allowed us to expand our product scope. So when we first started the business, we did joint venture equity and preferred equity. And we're now also a lender and we're doing first mortgages. And I think that's very different than a lot of other crowdfunding sites. Some crowdfunding sites just focus on the fix and flip market in residential. Other crowdfunding sites just focus on equity. And I think that that combination of debt and equity is what makes Realtomogul.com really special. Yeah. And tell us about the differences as well as about you know how much the the crowdfunding company is actually involved. Are some of them more kind of a, of a site and they're not checking out maybe the sponsors as much and some of them more involved? Yeah, some open operate open platforms where any type of investment can be posted on the website. We operate a curated platform. So we are underwriting all of the transactions before they go live on our website and we're very involved for the life of the transaction. Right, so in some crowdfunding sites, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the investors uh, down the road to be dealing directly with the sponsor, right? And in your situation, no, they're dealing with your firm? Correct. They're dealing okay. with our firm. Um, if it's private individual investors who are going to be buying joint venture equity, mm -hmm. they will all go into a single special purpose entity, typically an LLC. Mm -hmm. And then we will make a single investment with the real estate company or the sponsor on behalf of all of those investors. Okay. And is the setup uh, work so that if someone's doing a 1031 exchange, they could exchange into it or out of it? You know, we're not doing any 1031 business right now. It's all, you know, money that's sitting on the sidelines and wants to get into real estate as opposed to transferring out of another asset. Okay. And you talked about the different types of investments. So it could be the equity side, it could be the MES piece, the, 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 more, the secondary mortgage, if you will, uh, and then maybe the, the first mortgage on these properties. Chuck, tell us a little bit about those options. Sure. Uh, well, you know, we're doing both perm and bridge debt on the senior mortgage side. So we're very focused on I'll call it two to $25 million size uh, deals, and it's your typical non-bank type of bridge product. And uh, we think it complements really well with our, our equity product. And um, the all uh, uh, unsupported, uh, non-recourse uh, debt on that side. We're also doing perm debt, uh, typically a CMBS execution there. And so it's securitized, but it's also non-recourse as well. And that's a five to, we'll call it $20 million type of uh, transaction. And then uh, finally, uh, we're also doing subordinated debt, as you pointed out, uh, you know, MES and preferred equity. I, I, I would say the MES is more of the debt side of the transaction as well. So uh, kind of filling out the gap in the capital stack between our senior product and a potential uh, equity component. Um, and, and we think the, the opportunity kind of getting back to doing uh, the entire capital stack is pretty important for us. We can, we can do a lot of different things for our clients. And the investors that are coming through RealtyMogul.com are investing in those types of, of loans. Uh, they're accredited investors, I suppose, because those deals are over a million. 
or some of those non-accredited? Yeah, they're, they're all accredited they're investors. All accredited. So they all have yeah. either a net worth above a million or an annual income above two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. And tell us about an example uh, deal that you've closed lately or that you're doing now. Sure, we closed a transaction recently, and to Chuck's point, being kind of the full capital stack is really interesting and important to us, and I think a big differentiator. So we were 92% of the capital stack. We wrote the first mortgage, it was about a seven to $8 million first mortgage, and then we did the equity as well in the transaction. So it was a, a great execution of showing how different segments of our marketplace and different segments of our crowd are interested in different products. In that case, the debt was purchased by an institution as a whole loan, and the equity was uh, syndicated through our online platform to private investors. And what type of property was that? It was an apartment building. Where was it located? North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's excellent. So how long did it take the principal, the sponsor, if you will, to close that transaction? You no, know, we were somewhere around 60 days finished to, you know, start to finish, but it was really because the sponsor was finalizing their due diligence, making sure that they had, you know, their T's crossed and their I's dotted. You know, it's fascinating. Our equity is typically always faster than debt, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's our debt or there's another lender. Um, and, and I think it's because our crowd, if you will, has gotten so big, right? We've got mm-hmm. over 20,000 private accredited investors now. So tremendous appetite for commercial real estate. So it tends to be very, very rapid when you're, when you're fundraising equity online. Yeah, and that uh, kind of brings up the point that uh, how popular crowdfunding is really getting and how much there's a need there for private investors to, to get out and invest in, in commercial real estate. And I want to ask you some tips for those investors. What should they be thinking about when they're looking at various properties and various sources to put their money? So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about crowdfunding. We have Jillian Hellman and Chuck Taylor. They're both the Realty Mogul. They're with us here in Studio One. And I'd like to get some tips from you guys because you see a lot of people in this space, uh, in the crowdfunding space. You see a lot of sponsors. You see a lot of investors. You know, what are some things that uh, investors should start off thinking about when they're looking at these crowdfunding sites? Yeah, I think there's there's two things that they're thinking about. One is what crowdfunding site are they going to use, right? What company are they going to transact through? And then the real estate consideration. So maybe we just start on, on kind of the platform. And I think working with a, a well-capitalized, reputable platform is very, very important. Um, for these investors, they have to work with a platform that's going to be around for the long term, right? And in our case, there's a couple of differences between platforms. We get very involved in the underwriting of transactions. We stay involved for the life of the transaction. And we want to provide our expertise to add value to these private investors. One of the things that I find is many of our investors don't have the time to operate real estate, right? They want to be passive. They don't want to go acquire apartment buildings or acquire single family homes or office or retail or whatever it may be. And they're looking at our platform as a way to save time. So how can we go about saving them time? Not only you know, stay capitalized and stay in business, but think about underwriting for them, right? Call out risks, call out mitigants. Um, our chief credit officer was the former chief underwriting officer at JP Morgan for eight years. 
So we have someone with you know 30 plus years of real estate that is approving every transaction that goes up on our platform, and again calling out what investors should be looking at. And I, I don't know that every other platform does that. There's right. a lot of platforms that don't. Right. So you have some skin in the game. You're involved with these investors through the life cycle of this investment, right? And some of the platforms. Tell me if I'm wrong, but some of these crowdfunding platforms, they're really just putting a sponsor together with investors. They're dealing direct. So the the site's kind of out of it. Yeah. Right. So that's something to really consider up front. And then you mentioned, then you got to really look at the real estate and the actual sponsor, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, anytime that you're making an investment, whether it's stocks or bonds or real estate, you got to look at the underlying asset, right? And you got to look at what you're really buying. And, you know, one of the things that, that we're thinking about a lot right now and that I would urge private investors to think about is counter cyclical real estate, right? So we've been in a, in a boom era for quite some time since the Great Recession. And, you know, we're looking at things like self storage and, you know, retail that are going to perform well in a downturn, right? And, and kind of some protection there. As an example, we did a pretty sizable investment for, you know, with our investor group in a mobile home park fund, right? Which is a, a counter cyclical sort of recession light um, kind of product. So we're thinking about things like that. And, and I urge investors to as well, because real estate is cyclical, as we all know. So we, we want to provide opportunities that can provide value in those types of markets. Yeah, I mean, I need a place for my double wide, even if the market's not strong. <laughs> I, mean, you know. I might be able to help you out. <laughs> we should talk. That's right. And so uh, they can check out the real estate to whatever degree, that I guess, that makes sense for the money they're investing, right? Exactly. Uh, then what about checking out the sponsor? How, how might they do that? So we share all of our sponsors uh, for mm. investors that are going to be investing in equity. You know, mm. we do background checks, criminal checks, credit checks, all as part of our due diligence process at realtymogul.com. Uh, and the sponsor also has the opportunity to talk directly to the sponsor, or the, the investor has the opportunity to talk directly to the sponsor. So one of the ways that we use technology, you know, differently to do syndications online is by hosting a webinar for every one of our transactions. So the investor has the ability to ask questions. They have the ability to hear how the sponsor presents the transaction because the sponsor is, is living and eating and breathing the transaction, right? right. They're, they're spending time at the property. They're doing due diligence. All of this is sort of happening as we're raising capital. So it gives the investor that opportunity to have that one-on-one connection with the sponsor, even though it's virtual. Right? And they're not meeting them in person. They might meet in person, but they're able to ask questions. And even though they might be a minimum investor. Yep. Okay. So what are some of the minimums you're seeing? $10,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyone with $10,000 that can say they're an accredited investor uh, can talk to the sponsor uh, directly through the online program. Absolutely. And then after that, they, they pretty much deal with your company mm-hmm. f- from there on. Yeah, okay. so, so we've got uh, an asset management function where we're working directly with the sponsors after we've made the investment. And you know, from, from both sides' perspective, from the sponsor's perspective, they're only dealing with one collective investor, Realty Mogul. And we're acting on behalf of all of our other underlying investors. And, you know, culturally, we, we take a lot of pride in that, right? And in being able to provide our investors with timely reporting, answer questions, you know, if, if they want to pick up the phone and call us, we've got a whole team that is there strictly for the benefit of these private investors to keep them up to date on their investments. I mean, you're not just a website with no phone number? <laughs> <laughs> we are not. We've got real people, too. All right, and let's touch on some of the benefits for these uh, retail investors. You know, there's a lot of benefits, right? You're taking advantage of the capability of that sponsor, his connection, that he knows what he's doing, that he has the connections to put that deal together, right? You also have um, ability to diverse your portfolio, right? If you can invest as small as $10,000, you can invest in different property types in different areas, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of advantages. You also want to think about what, how long uh, the 
uh, deal might be in play, right? Right. Because it's not it's not really liquid. No, these are illiquid investments. Yeah. So, you know, investors are, are in for the long haul. Um, different investment opportunities have different hold periods. You might see something as short as, you know, a year or two years if it's going to be a, a quick reposition and, mm-hmm. and sell. You might see transactions that the sponsor's intending to hold, you know, 10 years or longer and that the investor's looking to diversify their assets or create something similar to like a laddered bond portfolio where maybe you make a variety of different investments that have different expected hold periods, and that allows the investor to get broader diversification with their capital. How about if they're looking at a loan, uh, they're investing in a loan online, what kind of due diligence can they do? Well, we provide all the information regarding the, the loan due diligence that we're providing, uh, or that we're doing uh, as, as underwriting the So they're pretty much looking at what, what a bank would look at to do a loan? Pretty much, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you're getting to look at the sponsor information, yeah. the asset information, uh, on valuation, and everything else. So it's, uh, you know, fixed you know, income typically, a, a little bit different analysis, but still a lot of the due diligence that you would get yeah. if you were actually underwriting and closing the loan from the yeah. lender side. Yeah, and I guess you got to feel a little safer in, uh, in that first position or second position and not being in the equity. Well, stay tuned. One of the things I've realized about crowdfunding is the sponsors don't know a lot about this. We're going to talk about the benefits for sponsors. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. Would you like to shake hands with decision makers in your favorite commercial real estate sector? Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com for multifamily student and senior housing, to net lease and healthcare conferences all over the country. Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about crowdfunding. We have Jillian Hellman here with us from Realty Mogul and Chuck Taylor from Realty Mogul. And now, as I like to talk about the benefits for sponsors, because it does surprise me when I'm talking to some of our, our clients or I'm out at an event and, and, uh, and I'm always curious, I'm asking questions. I guess what I do for a living here on the show, right? <laughs> and I'll ask them what they, if they've used it, if they've considered it. And it seems like a lot of them just don't know a lot about it yet. Uh, and it seems like there's some big growth ahead of us as some of these sponsors learn more about the benefits. So what are a couple of the benefits to sponsors to consider crowdfunding? Sure. Well, I think uh, first and foremost, you're able to access, we have over 20,000 investors today and um, accredited investors. And the opportunity to go in and have uh, LP, passive uh, capital, that they can access in one entity. They're dealing with one uh, group, that's realtymogul.com, with regard to asset management looking forward. It's a, it's a big benefit. They can go, we're focused on one to five million dollar type of uh, equity raises on the capital side today. A lot of times that's non-institutional. They don't have an institutional capital partner that they're going to and, and uh, just writing one check for it. If you have to go around and, and raise that capital uh, on a one-off basis for every transaction, that can take a lot of time and energy. If you're a sponsor who's focused on real estate and you want to be a, an operator and uh, uh, you know, perform on your, your business plan, spending a lot of time or having you know, limited resources, spending a lot of your time raising capital on each and every transaction can be cumbersome. A great way to access uh, a large uh, base of investors pretty quickly is to come to realtymogul.com and, and, and raise your equity that way. Um, and, and we think looking forward, the technology is only going to get better and better, and the, the time uh, associated with that is going to continue to uh, uh, compress. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity today. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. If you're out trying to raise capital, um, then you're not t- spending the time you need to on the real estate, finding that next uh, 
opportunity. So maybe as a sponsor, you get to do more transactions, build more wealth and cash flow. Um, and also I like the way you're doing it because I think some sponsors would think, well, if I have 60 investors with 10,000 each, I've got a lot of cats to herd and report to, but you're handling that, right? It's important yeah. distinction, right? Yeah. You're, we're coming in as one LP entity uh, into the transaction and there's no, you're not gonna be taking, uh, to your point, a thousand phone calls later on down the road from a lot of different investors. You're, you're, you're interfacing with one uh, group and that's realtymogul.com. Final question for you guys, what's the future look like for crowdfunding? It seems like it's, it's, it's just new and, and what's in the future? How's it gonna grow? You know, I always talk about entrepreneurship and one of my favorite lines is skate to where the puck is going, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, we're at the infancy of crowdfunding and, and that's probably my greatest advice to sponsors today is dive in, right? Mm-hmm. P- people were very skeptical about crowdfunding and they still are today, but here we are having financed almost $200 million in transactions, right? So there's real capital that's being put out um, I think that this is a multi-billion dollar business. I think that you'll see tens of billions of dollars raised online through our technology long term. Uh, this is just the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I urge you, if you are a sponsor, to to get out and talk to, to people like Chuck and Jillian and, f- and figure out what they're doing and, and ask about it. And I think also if you're a, a retail investor, uh, you're say you're running a company, you're a lawyer, you're an attorney, you're an you're accountant, you don't have time to invest in real estate. You know, crowdfunding is a great way to get out there and uh, and you don't have to invest day one, right? You can kind of sniff around and check it out and see how things are going, right? Yep, investors can come online with no obligation yeah. and start you know, browsing through real estate transactions, educating themselves, which is a really important part of, of the investing process, and uh, start digging in. Yeah, and you know, and, and listeners to the show, I mean, the show is a great way to kind of get an understanding and comfortable comfort level with commercial real estate, you know, because we're talking to the best analysts in the country about what's going on in the different sectors. So yeah, listen to the show, take your time, and make some investments and uh, make some money, right? Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you guys coming to Studio One here in Atlanta. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. And thanks for joining us out there on the 47 radio stations now. Or maybe you're watching us on YouTube or iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. We have some incredible shows coming up for you, including next week. We're going to talk about single-tenant lease properties. Uh, That has certainly been an active market. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.